0: Isn't it wonderful to celebrate God's provision? And is it, isn't it wonderful to be able to give back? Oh, more amens for the first than the second there. Interesting. We continue our series in love. Uh But my reading this morning is a single verse from Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. Just one verse. I say just one verse, it is quite a quite an extraordinary verse. John's Gospel, chapter 6. Our produce uh, will, of course, as is our tradition of late, go to vision of hope. And so if there's more to come, we'll add to that, and it will be uh, transported across to a vision of hope in the coming days for which we give God the thanks. Thanks, Laura, for leading us so well and for the lessons we've learned so far. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Our Lord says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this very special occasion. As together here in Cuipermine Community Church, we celebrate the provision of God. And as we give thanks, Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to give back this produce here, our gifts and tithes and offerings, all that we have and all that we are in these exciting times. Make us to be cheerful, sacrificial givers. We come around your word in these moments, Father, and just ask that you might help us to understand what it is that the Spirit is saying to this church on this occasion. And open our hearts that we might receive that word. In the name of Jesus we ask. Amen. The story is told of a nun who was sitting at her window when the post arrived. She opened a letter from home and out for a crisp new ten-pound note. As she read the letter accompanying the money, her eye was caught by the sight of a poorly-dressed man in the street below, thinking the man was probably not very well off. With a kind of sigh, she took the ten-pound note, placed it in an envelope, and wrote upon the envelope, Don't despair. And tossed the envelope out the window. The man picked the envelope up. Opened it. And looked at the nun smiling. And tipped his hat. And walked away. The next day there was a knock on the convent door. Opening the door. The nun found the man from the previous day. Holding a handful of cash. Offering it to the nun. What's this? He says, I don't don't understand. Lady, he replied, it's your cut. Don't despair, paid five to one yesterday. (laughs) Now, I'm not advocating gambling. However, Jesus did say, give. And it will be given unto you. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13:5: Love is not self-seeking. Brethren, it is clear from Scripture that giving is loving, and loving is giving. And when we give, God reciprocates in ways above and beyond our expectation. Why? Because God is love. And loving is giving. If harvest time teaches us anything, it teaches us that we cannot outgive God. And a rejected opportunity to give is a missed opportunity to receive. I guess you will all know me well enough by now to know that I am no prosperity preacher. I'm certainly not a name it, claim it preacher either. In fact, if you've been here long enough, you ought to know that I very seldom preach about money and giving. Usually I'm stipended the same whether you give a little or a lot. So please don't think this morning that I'm trying to squeeze more money out of you than you can afford so that I can line my greedy pockets with it. However, I preach about giving on this Harvest Sunday, because Jesus did. And the topic of giving was as sensitive an issue in the first century AD as it is today. Nevertheless, Jesus did not shy away from teaching about the Christian's responsibility to give. And as I preach about giving this morning, please remain assured I do understand that this is a sensitive subject. New Testament scholar Adrian Rogers once said, I quote, the most sensitive nerve in the whole Bible is the nerve that runs, sorry, in the whole body is the nerve that runs from the heart to the pocketbook. A number of years ago, During a former pastorate, in response to my then treasurer's exhortation to the church members to increase their giving, I overheard a member of the congregation who didn't realize I was still behind him, saying, what does God need money for anyway? It's all his. And true enough, the one who owns the sheep owns the wool. The one who owns the pond owns the fish. He not only owns the hills, but he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. God made you and me, and consequently, therefore, he already owns what we have. God made the gold and the silver. God made the precious stones and every precious thing on earth. So why does God, God expect us to give? Well, as I understand it, God gives us money, provision, supplies, as a test. A test to see what we believe in. A test to see who we trust in. A test to see what it is that we love the most god exhorted his people in malachi 3 verse 10 bring the whole tithe 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this says the lord almighty and see if i will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have room enough for it Let's face it, anyone who would read and believe this verse in Malachi would tithe. Of course, some argue that this was an Old Testament exhortation only, and we're now living in the New Testament. Well, allow me to respond to this hypothesis with two observations. Firstly, The teaching of Malachi is, in point of fact, also found in the New Testament. Go home and mull over Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Secondly, when folk argue like this, I get the distinct impression that they are really looking for an excuse not to tithe. God bless those this morning who look for a reason to give rather than to keep. God bless those this morning who are looking for ways to bless someone rather than for ways to take back. We've heard this morning about Lazarus. Lazarus went to heaven, but the rich man went to hell. Not because he was rich per se. There are lots of rich folks who have gone to heaven. But because, remember, he disregarded his fellow man. Because he refused to give to those who were in need. Proverbs 11 verse 28 says, He who trusts in his riches shall fall. In many ways, the greatest tragedy of this familiar story of Lazarus and the rich man was that the opportunity to give presented itself to the rich man on a daily basis. Remember, Lazarus was at his gate begging every day. The rich man didn't have to go out of his way to give. Lazarus was as close to him as your front door is to your drive. He knew he was suffering and did nothing. About it. I realize there are times we're afraid to give. Because of a perception that by giving we are losing out. But the Bible teaches that God rewards those who give. Jesus says give. And it will be given unto you. For with the measure you use. It will be measured to you. Friends, if we go away with anything this morning, I pray that we will go away understanding that it isn't how much we give that matters, but our attitude in the giving. I have a few minutes to give you two simple thoughts. My first thought is this. To know the favor of God, we must give cheerfully. Sow our resources cheerfully, and we will reap God's favor. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, we not only read about the Macedonians giving above and beyond their means, but we read how the Macedonians gave, and they gave cheerfully. Second Corinthians 8, 2-4, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in ge- rich generosity. Paul writes, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. It seems clear the Macedonian Christians were so excited to give to the work of the Lord through the Apostle Paul's ministry (laughs) that even though they didn't have the ability, they gave. Now I know what you're thinking. Isn't there a contradiction there? There appears to be. But this is the Word of God. They gave even beyond the ability. The Apostle Paul, it seems to me, is embarrassed to receive it. But he received it because they gave it cheerfully. It's amazing how giving can bring joy. The world tells us we must hoard our monies, our resources to be happy. But in reality, the opposite applies. Many psychologists tell those who are suffering from depression to get out and to participate in the lives of other people. That participation, that giving of themselves, helps to lift the depression. Paul writes in Second Corinthians 9-7, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Why Why does God love a cheerful giver? Well, God loves to see us cheerful in everything that we do. And we expect to be cheerful as we engage in our hobbies. We expect to be cheerful as we engage in our leisure activities. But we can also be cheerful in our working. And we can also be cheerful in our giving. Remember it was only after God cursed Cain's labor by making it unfruitful that Cain say, my punishment is more than I can bear. Up until then, the understanding is that Cain could work cheerfully. Fruitful labor is cheerful labor. Planting, growing, hoeing, and weeding a garden might well be a lot of work. Certainly, Alan, isn't it? But there is something gratifying about getting to eat the fruit of your labor. And the hope of a harvest makes us labor cheerfully. And a spiritual harvest is no different, I believe, than a physical harvest. The hope of a spiritual harvest makes us labor for the kingdom of God cheerfully. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. But when all we are working for is just to pay the bills, just to scrape through life and living, we can feel, like Cain, that it's more than we can bear. But once we learn that it blesses us to bless others, then we give cheerfully. My second thought is to know the praise of God, we must give sacrificially. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. I acknowledge that. The scripture teaches it. But friends, we shouldn't undervalue sacrifice because oft times sacrifice is the result of obedience. Christ, remember, was obedient unto his own sacrifice of death on a cross. Sacrifice born out of obedience. Have you ever heard it said? I have. Pastor, I'm too poor to tithe. I don't say much if that is offered me. I just point the dear soul to Mark chapter twelve, verses forty one through forty four. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched. Would you have it? Jesus watching folk as they put in their offering. I I I guess he's doing the same today. Watching folk. As they put in their offering. And he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. It says many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came. She put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. But calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. You see, he says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All that she had to live on. What a sacrifice. A sacrifice born out of obedience. That poor widow, in her heart, was obedient to God. And in her physical sacrifice, therefore, she gave everything. And she received the praise of the Messiah. Wow. Is that me? The praise of the Messiah. What did she get in return? The praise, yes. <laughs> if someone were to ask me, Pastor, what's the meaning of life? I may, I might be tempted to say it is to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. To receive the praise of our Lord on that great and glorious day. I believe will be the most precious, precious thing ever. Our Lord himself acknowledging our sacrifice. Born out of obedience. Yes friends, to obey is better than sacrifice. But sacrifice comes out of obedience. A four-year-old was in church with his mum when the bread and wine was being passed round. Suddenly, having been very bored, he got very interested in this and started to get up. However, his mother leaned over the pew and told him that he was not old enough To partake of the sacred bread and wine. A little later, when the collection plate came by, the little boy ignored it. Once again, his mother leaned over the pew and tried to coax some money out of him. He steadfastly refused, saying, if I can't eat, I'm not paying for it. We laugh at that. But oftentimes that can be at the depths of our being. If I am not getting something out of it, I ain't giving. Friends, to give cheerfully, we will know the favor of God. And we can never outgive Him. We need not fear that we will be left without. Because he keeps on giving. That good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over. How much is that you say? It's enough. It's all it needs to be. And if we give sacrificially, we will know. Payday one day. The Lord himself says well done. We will know payday one day the praise of Almighty God. I leave the last word to a lady. Not often I do that. Actually, quite often. (laughs) Amy Carmichael said, you can give without loving, but you cannot love Without giving. Let us pray. Father we thank you for this lesson today. Well we kind of. It it does search our hearts. It does penetrate our lives. And perhaps it exposes us. We allow your Spirit to search our hearts this morning. Understanding, Father, that because of your great love, you gave everything. You gave Jesus, your Son. Thank you, Father. You could have held him back. But you gave because you love. And Jesus, we we want to acknowledge your love this morning. You could have called down legions of angels to your aid. To take you from that torture and torment and death. But Jesus, you love us with an everlasting love. And because you love, you gave. You laid down your life. Jesus, we often sing, we love you, Lord. We lift up our voice and worship you, our soul. Rejoice. Take joy, our King, in what you hear. Might it be a sweet, sweet song in your ear. We love you, Lord. Well, Jesus, if we love you, then we will give cheerfully, sacrificially. May we, Cope and mine Community Church, be known these days as a church that gives. Because it is a church that has received. And we want to say from grateful hearts, thank you. Amen.